0: Good morning. Nice to be here with you again. And uh, although I'm missing Malcolm, yeah, I've known Malcolm since he was a boy. And in actual fact, Malcolm walked around, or was walked around in Rennes in our pram. So we go back as, you know, as far as that, yeah. So I think uh, I my older brother used it. I used it, and my younger brother used it, and then Malcolm. I think that's the way it was. <coughs> Don't tell Malcolm I was speaking about pram. <coughs> anyway, let us begin the public worship of God here this morning by singing to His praise in Psalm 27 from the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 27, verses four to six, and I'll read the first verse. The Lord's my light and saving health. Who shall make me dismayed? My life strength is the Lord. Of whom then shall I be? afraid. Psalm 27 verses 4 to 6.
1: One thing I
0: us have sung them, grant that we would be according to our testimony as we did sing them, that I, the beauty of the Lord, behold me and admire. What a wonderful place to be together in your house with that exercise of mind and heart that we want to see Jesus. That we would want to admire him. And what a difference that would make to each of us in our home, in our family, in our heart, and in the middle of the night. And what an impact that could have in your purpose (coughs) on our community. As people would recognize in us and from us, we are of those who admire Jesus. We come together to acknowledge that in our thoughts, our words, our deeds, and in our lifetime, we have neglected the first thing, that we have been selfish, that we have been arrogant and proud, although perhaps we can articulate what we are to others in a way that would give a false impression. And Lord, we are before you now. You, You know what we were thinking as the service began. You know what we were thinking this morning. And you know what we are thinking right now. All things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And we have to say, alas. Have mercy on us. Lord, you have had mercy on us. The very fact that we can be here and listen is evidence of your mercy. Forbid that any of us here would say, well, so what? Grant that we would say thanks and delight in your mercy. We pray for the work of the gospel from and in this congregation and in this community and in our city and across our country. We look to your promise God in his glory shall appear when Zion he builds and repairs and we acknowledge there is a great need for the building up of your cause and kingdom, as our society seems, according to our understanding, to be departing more and more. We tremble at what has happened and how we have become accustomed to it. Lord, we confess our national fault our national sin, when we have on a Saturday night on the television a programme called I Kissed a Boy, when the very music on Eurovision is so significantly decadent, and when multitudes are captivated by What is called entertainment, when in actual fact, it is emptiness. Lord, we confess that we are impacted by it in our own hearts and lives. To the extent that we neglect the things that are important. Lord, you are reminding us, at the expense of our fellows, that soon the place that knows us now shall know us no more forever. We pray for our country. Please send labourers into the harvest. Provide pastors for your people. Provide teaching for them in every aspect of their lives. We pray too for the children who are experiencing and subjected to greater threats in our generation that we would have the desire and the prayer of the psalmist that so the race which was to come may well them learn and know. Many of us have family members who are not in church today who could be and who definitely should be. Lord, we pray for them. We pray for those in this congregation, some of whom we know, who have been laid aside for some time and who are burdened. Lord, grant that they would know that you are the refuge and underneath are the eternal, the everlasting. The comforting arms. Be with Malcolm today, hold him in the ministry he has and used to fulfill here. We pray for him and those in authority at every level of society and business. Continue with us then as we come to read your word. Give us to hear it as a most significant message from yourself. Continue your word as it is living and powerful in our hearts, and in our minds, and in our memories, that we would lay these things up in our hearts. Teach us, pity us, and pardon us, for Jesus' sake, Amen. I'm going to read from the book of Isaiah. And it's in chapter 33, and it's at verse 17, to the end. Isaiah 33, 17, to the end. Will you please listen to God's word? It's not anything other than that. It is God's word. Your eyes will behold the king and his beauty. They will see a land that stretches far. Your heart will muse on the terror. Where is he who counted? Where is he who weighed the tribute? Where is he who counted the towers? You will see no more the insolent people the people of an obscure speech that you can't comprehend, stammering in a tongue that you cannot understand. Behold Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes will see Jerusalem an untroubled habitation, an immovable tent, whose stakes will never be plucked up nor will any of its cords be broken. But there the Lord in majesty will be for us, a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go nor majestic ship can pass. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Your cords hang loose. They cannot hold the mast firm in its place or keep the sail spread out. Then prey and spoil in abundance will be divided. Even the lame will take the prey and no habitant will say, I'm sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity, and so on. Right, children, are you going to join me, some of you? I think so. There's somebody coming down and a few others. Yeah? I'm not as bad as a look. That's good. Good to see you. Thank you, we're all. Better stay here, will I? I don't know. Ach, no, they'll have to. you can hear. And I'll speak a bit louder, so everybody else can hear you. Nice to see you. What do you think this is? Sometimes we are dirty. Now we say the Lord's Prayer together, and it comes up on the screen. (coughs) Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Remember, Psalm 51, verse 3. You got it, yes. Right, we're now going to sing again, and it's from Sing Psalms, and it's Psalm 63, verse 1 two verse eight. Psalm sixty three, it's a long meter tune, O God, you are my God alone. I seek your face with eagerness. That's what's on the screen, and that's what you're going to sing. May that be in my heart and yours. I seek your face with eagerness. My soul and my body thirst for you in this dry, weary wilderness. Psalm 63, 1 to 8, to God's praise.
1: Oh, God, you are my. With her.
0: 33, verse 17 of Isaiah says, Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. Two weeks ago, two of our grandchildren, Lois, and Esther announced to their respective families and to their grandparents we going to the coronation we're going down to the king to see the king why are you going? I asked them oh we're going because we heard you speaking about your visit to the queen's coronation how you spoke about the crowds the periscopes the tree climbers, the excitement, the whole of London singing Sam 100, and particularly Queen Saloti in her carriage in the rain. We've been fascinated by your story about the visit to the coronation, so we're going on the bus overnight to London and on the train leaving at six o'clock back to Edinburgh at ten o'clock. They went to see the king. That was amazing. But you and I are very shortly going to meet the king of kings. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 tells you and me, Every eye shall see him. Have you thought of that this last week? It's a frightening thought at one level. It's a thrilling thought at another level. We have just sung it, haven't we? That I, the beauty of the Lord, behold me, and admire, you know, and God knows, whether that's what you're here to do or not. Lord, please help us all this morning to admire you. Yes, I know that here we see through a glass darkly. In Inverness this morning in grey fires it's only through a glass darkly. But that verse doesn't finish there. Then, face to face. The Bible is full of encouragement and instruction in that respect. Colossians 3 verse 2 and 3 says set your affection on things above not on things that are on the earth. It can't be clearer than that. Set your affection on things that are above. Isn't that what Paul was doing when he went around proving and asserting that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the dominant figure of all of history. Isn't that what Jesus himself was doing when he was wandering along the road there with Cleopas and his friend, opening to them the scriptures from the Old Testament, proving that he was indeed the, the, the Messiah. He never wrote a book. Yet more books have been written about him than about anybody else in the whole of history. He never raised an army, but thousands followed him, and thousands today are giving their lives for him. He lived in just two pokey little countries yet there's a biography of the Lord Jesus Christ in over 2,000 languages atheist authors atheist historians 19 of them in the first 500 years since the birth of Christ have said that he existed Paul Johnson from the Daily Mail said, the argument that Jesus never existed has been demolished by the march of historical evidence. Do you agree with that, that the evidence for Christ is historic? It's a reality. This is not a myth. Why did they devote pages of text to this primitive peasant from a little town? in the smallest country in the world. It's because he is who he says he is and who you are going to meet. And yet he's one of us. We have his family tree over 40 generations. In one chapter we see him as a baby, a child, a boy. In Luke chapter 2. We read of him being hungry and thirsty and weary. We read of him being friendly. With having friends. We read of him getting angry. Knowing sorrow. Knowing thirst. Weeping. Tempted for six weeks. Praying. He is one of us. He had a nose. And he still has one. Now we mentioned the visit to the coronation. And we were fascinated some of us anyway, by the references to the jewels on the crown. So I went to look up a bit about these jewels and uh, I won't bore you with the details, but some of the most famous jewels in the world were used and are on these crowns. The interesting thing about these crowns is that they have facets, which is They take slices off the diamond so that you can see the crown, so that you can see the diamond and its beauty. And on most of these diamonds, there are 52 facets. Some of them have 51, but most of them have 52. So I thought that it might be helpful for us, in view of a recent coronation, to think about some of the facets that we have about our King, the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to confine myself and expectation that when you wake at two o'clock in the morning tomorrow, you will remember them. And you will think about them. And you will meditate on these things, that they will be a comfort to you. What do you think about when you waken in, in the middle of the night? Oh, I don't know if I have anything for lunch. The grass is needn't cut. There's a leaking tap I've got to fix. Be far better for you to go on and think about the facets of the person of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. So there are six of these I want to highlight for you. Six facets. Now, as I was thinking about this this morning before... Before I came out, I was saying, William, why are you confining yourself to six when you said there were 52? I don't know. I have no answer to that. But I know I'm not dealing with the whole, the whole subject. I cannot. But there's more you can add yourself. <coughs> Since coming into the building, I've added one which is not in my notes. And it's the most important one. And I, I think I'm stupid that I didn't con- include it. I'll tell you what it is, I hope, when I come to the end of number six. Six facets. Now, you might be saying, well, this is very simple, and so it is. But I would say to you, it's very profound, and so it is. I like the expression John Calvin used about this. He said, Jesus is milk for babes and meat for men. So whatever stage your intellect or your spiritual growth is, this is meaningful under God and by his spirit for you. Milk for babes and meat for men. Number one. He was unique. In the announcement of his coming, you know some of this, I'm sure, but it's good for us to think of it. Genesis 3:15: He will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Go on to the book of Daniel, where we're introduced to the, the concept of the Messiah and the expression that's used there in Daniel 7 verse 13 one like the son of man now jump forward to the new testament how does jesus refer to himself i think it's 78 times he uses that title taken out of daniel 7:14 the son of man his favorite title in referring to himself and you know in that verse in Daniel, it speaks about the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. Coming in the clouds of heaven. And that's a theme that's through Scripture too the clouds of heaven. Then there's this lovely one also in Genesis 49, verse 10. The scepter will not depart from Judah until he comes. Now, the scepter represents the law. The law of the society will not depart from Judah. In other words, Judah's going to be done when he comes. When was Judah done? When was Judah finished? A.D. 70, just shortly after the coming of Jesus and his death. In Micah 5, verse 2, 700 years before Christ, we are told, but you, Bethlehem Ephrata, that's when he's going to be born, in Bethlehem Ephrata. Not in the other Bethlehem, 70 miles north, Bethlehem if he'd left it in Bethlehem it wouldn't be clear there was the other Bethlehem it was called I think it's Bethlehem I can't remember I thought I did but I haven't got it here Bethlehem Zebulun that's what it is it's like me saying I quite often go to Hilton and you might say, well, he's thinking about Hilton up here. And I'm really be thinking about Hilton out in Easter Ross. Bethlehem Ephrata, that's the place where he's going to be born. The messenger of the covenant, Henry Lydon, the Oxford scholar, said, there are 332 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled to the letter in Christ Jesus, including minute details of his death. Twenty-nine prophecies fulfilled in twenty-four hours. Forsaken by his followers, destroyed for thirty, betrayed for thirty pieces of silver, used to buy a potter's field. Wrongfully accused, tortured, humiliated, executed, crucified. They also prophesied prophesied he would pray for his executioners and none of his bones would be broken his body would be pierced they would cast lots for his clothes. That's a lot. And you have to contend with that reality. You know it now. You've heard it said to you that he is unique in the announcement of his coming. That's number one. So, when you wake in two o'clock tomorrow morning, you can think about that for a while. It is amazing. That's number one. Number two is his conception. His birth was normal. His conception. Jesus was conceived, we read in Matthew chapter 1, before they came together. So named before he was conceived. Mary said, what? I'm a virgin. And you know, this was prophesied. Seven hundred years before, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. Six hundred years before, Jeremiah prophesied, the Lord has created a new thing on the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. The Lord has created a new thing. It has never, ever happened before. A woman shall encompass a man. No word of a human father. Remember when Mary was told this, He was told by the angel. Nothing is impossible with God. Luke one thirty-seven. How can this be? I'm a virgin. Nothing is impossible with God. And you're struggling, aren't you? With something, man is born to trouble. Just remember, at three o'clock in the morning, when you haven't gone back to sleep, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Number one, the announcement of his birth. The announcement of his coming. Number two, the virgin conception. Number three, his life was unique. Everyone was amazed at his understanding and answers when he was 12 years old. His words were amazing. Never man spake like this man, said the temple guards. He taught as one that has authority. Have you, friend, heard the words of Jesus? Yes, you've heard them in your ears. Have you heard them in your heart? Has something leapt in your heart as you heard him? His word, with his favorite word to humanity. Do you know what that is? What's the favorite word of God to you? It's come. Don't be in any delusion. It's come. Every one of you. All the time. Every time. Come to me. His words are pure and deal clearly and authoritatively with the greatest problems you and I have. His life was unique, his words and his deeds. He cured blindness, deafness, dumbness, leprosy, lameness, fever, paralysis. Do you know there's something quite remarkable, well, lots of things remarkable, something very remarkable about Jesus' healings. You go to the doctor, and I maybe go too. And he says, oh, well, I know what it is. You'll need antibiotics for 10 days. But Jesus spoke it. And it happened. He said, and it was done. There was no delay. It was immediate, and it is immediate. He raised the dead that 12-year-old girl, that man whose body was being carried to the grave, and another who was in the grave for four days. He stilled the storm. He told the disciples where to catch fish. That would be handy, guys, wouldn't it? Huh? Certainly I spent time fishing without much success despite the radar, turned the water into wine, fed 5,000 people with a handful of bread and fish, and 4,000 on another occasion. His life was unique in his words, in his deeds, and in his character. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And he could say, I always do these things that please my father. No, that doesn't fit you or me. We can't say that. Compared with that great prophet, Isaiah, I'm a man of unclean Lips. Compared with Job. And remember what God said of Job. He's upright. And he's blameless. Yet what did Job do? He repented in dust. And ashes. Compared with Paul. Who. Said. He was the chief of sinners. So we've considered. Number one. The announcement of his coming. Number two, his conception. Number three, his life. Are you getting a glimpse? And that brings to my mind a a, a little story. Some of you might have known him. He was the Reverend John Nicholson. He was a minister in Tain. He was a wild guy in in his youth. Glasgow fellow. He liked a a dram or two or six. He was converted. And then he became a pastor and a very zealous preacher of the gospel but extremely careful about his language because his language had been otherwise earlier on. And it was interesting to hear him and he never preached or prayed without using thee and thou. Until it came to his deathbed. My brother Hugh and my brother Roderick were both at his deathbed. And this is what he said. His last words with his last breath. I can see you now. I can see you now. And friend, you and I need a glimpse of that today. So that when it comes to my last breath and to yours, you will be able to say. Whether you can say it audibly at that time or not, I can see you now. We've looked at three, there's three to go. Number four, his claims are amazing. We have had this morning in the text God's word saying, Your eyes will behold the king in his beauty, and may you and I behold the king in his beauty in his claims. I think some of you are old enough to remember Muhammad Ali yes there's a smile or two the boxer he used to say I am the greatest what rubbish but Jesus his claims are unique I am the bread of life (laughs) he that comes to me will not go hungry I am the light Of the world, he that followeth me will not walk in darkness. Then somebody said to him, you remember, who are you to speak like that? Are you greater than our father Abraham? Are you more significant? Are you bigger character than Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. I and the father are one. Philip, The disciple asked, Hey, show us the Father. Do you know what his answer was? It's so helpful for us. His answer was, Who has seen me has seen the Father. There you go. There's something to admire. That I, the beauty of the Lord, behold me and admire. That you would enjoy that. That you would taste and see. It's C.S. Lewis who said, I'm trying to prevent people saying the really foolish and stupid thing that people often do say. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was a great moral teacher, but I do not accept his claim to be God. Now, I dare say, most of the people within a mile of here would say, if he existed, he was a great moral teacher. But I do not accept his claims. We have to deal with his claims Number four, his claims. Number five, you've worked it out, I trust. You're there before me. His death. His death. Your great enemy, your last great enemy and mine, Some of you know, and if you don't, it's not of any consequence, but some of you know that I was 80 two weeks ago. And uh, I got uh, some video messages from various people, which were quite salutary. There was a five-minute video message came from John Piper. And he said, Amongst other things, he said, I'm behind you, William. And then he corrected himself. But I might be before you. We're bo- He was born to die. And so are you. He was born in the shadow of the cross. Biographers, and as you know, we publish a few of them, usually spend a little bit of time on the, the death of the subject of the biography. We did a biography recently of John Ross, uh, by John Ross from Drumna Rocket. and uh, if you haven't read it, time you did, you don't mind me selling a book. Anyway, it's it, about 10% of the book is on his death. We did one a fortnight ago on David Livingstone. 766 pages. There are 20 pages on David Livingstone's death. And it was quite a significant death. They hollowed out his heart, buried it in Africa, sent the body across to Southampton. Queen Victoria sent a train, picked it up and buried in Westminster Abbey. Disraeli and Queen Victoria laid a wreath on his grave. So the death was quite a significant thing of David Livingstone. But in the biography we have of Jesus, it's all about his death. 40% of Matthew, 60% of Mark, 50% of John. The cross dominates history, it dominates the life of Jesus, and it dominates the future of the world. It was not the conclusion, it was the consummation. Jesus said that himself, didn't he? Father, the hour has come. This is the big hour. This is why I came. This is the hour for your glory. John Stott put it this way, the hour for which he came into the world was the hour in which he left it. God himself was suffering suffering in the place of others, and paying the just penalty of their sin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Christ died for the ungodly so that you can say what you've already said this morning. Wash me completely from all my sin. And if you can say that now, you can go out there in your heart skipping. You mightn't be skipping physically. I haven't seen much of that in Highland churches. But in your heart, you'd be glad. God so loved that he gave to death. And what a death it was. That's number five. Go back to the beginning again. The announcement that he would come. His conception, his life his words, his deeds, his character, his claims, his death. And you know who the last one is. Three o'clock on a Friday. Buried three hours later. Sunday morning. Up and about. He is risen. The resurrection. There's that lovely expression in Acts chapter the 1, I think it is. Showed himself a lie. He spoke about it, didn't he? For as Jonah was three days, so will the Son of Man be three days. Six Independent, written testimonies. Eleven separate appearances over 40 days. Women. A sceptical brother. A few odd fishermen. An intellectual trying to wipe out his followers. And a close friend who was sceptical of the event. in a garden, in a house, on a roadside, in the country, on a hillside, to one Mary Magdalene on her own, to two on the way to Emmaus, to three women in the garden, to seven, to several hundred, as Paul said. actually. Some of them are still alive. That's how scared rabbits became a fearless dynamic band. Lord Darling, the former Chief Justice of England put it this way. There exists such overwhelming evidence. No intelligent jury could fail to bring in a verdict That it is true. He's risen and he's here. Have you heard him? Have you got a glimpse of him? Or do you still think this is a myth? Speaking about myth, I think it was uh, James Kennedy. Uh, an American pastor who died maybe 20 years ago we published his biography too and he said regarding the Grand Canyon the myth for the formation of the Grand Canyon is that an Indian dragged a stick and formed the Grand Canyon that's a myth The Christian church was not created by a myth. The Christian church is here and expanding in our world today. The growth is wonderful, although sadly not in Scotland. I had no intention, but I did mention it in my prayer. You know, Karen and I were speaking about it yesterday. The songs in Eurovision, when we were younger or young, you could watch them. They were okay. There was Dana. There was Lulu. My mother thought they were a wee bit off the wall, but we thought they were okay. But today... Open decadence. And we have caused it. We're, it's not them. We're the problem. We as a nation have not taught our children. We have vacated our responsibility. What then? is your verdict friend what is your verdict about the announcement the conception the life the claims the death and the resurrection I don't know You're either worshiping him, and he is saying, and saying, he is Lord. Or you're saying, well, that well, was interesting, it kept me awake, but I'll be glad to get out of here. Our Lord knows. You've heard what his favourite word is. Therefore, you are without excuse. And the fact that you are without excuse should bring you to say yes. Yes. That's it. Are you in your heart saying, yes, he is all together lovely? He is all together lovely. Yeah. Wonderful. Six weeks ago, well, some of you will know him. I don't know. You've probably met him. Uh, George Verwer died maybe four weeks ago. I spoke to him just two or three weeks before he, he died, not knowing that he was unwell. And we spoke often on the phone and, How are you, George? Ah, uh, Well, they're going to do some explorations on me. Oh, I said, What's wrong? He said, I think I've got advanced cancer. But he said, I'm longing to go home. I'm longing to die wow but I'm happy to stay here as long as God has something for me to do and to hear that from from a guy I knew and loved and had more energy than all of us put together was was amazing he saw where he was going he knew where he was going he was saying for me to live is Christ and to die is gain Lord help us to pray help each of us to know what it is to say but I have all my confidence Thy mercy set upon my heart within me shall rejoice in thy salvation. Teach us to be meditators, to lay these things up in our hearts, and not to be so concerned about the car and the holiday And the garden and the kitchen, but to say, as the psalmist said, When thou didst say, Seek ye my face, then unto thee reply, Thus did my heart. Above all things, thy face, Lord, seek will I grant drops from heaven for this congregation. Grant the awakening of the dead the reviving of the living and keep them in perfect peace pardon us for our sin for Jesus sake Amen we will conclude by singing to God's praise Psalm 93 verses 1 to 5 in the Scottish Psalter The whole of Psalm 93, the Lord doth reign, and clothed is he with majesty most bright. His works, his character, his deeds, his words, do show him clothed to be, and girt about with might. The whole of this psalm to God's praise in conclusion. The
1: Lord
0: that in the quietness of this moment we would indeed know what it is to say with Psalm 51, verse 3, wash me completely from all my sin, and that we would know the fulfilment of that verse in Isaiah, Your eyes will behold the beauty of the King and that we would indeed delight ourselves in God and be saying thank you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Pardon us. Keep us. For Jesus' sake. Amen.